and say the truth. You're right. You know, it is like an ad hominem attack a little bit, although it like goes on Camille, to hypocrisy grounds, which. Camille, today we're going to talk about sexual harassment against women and our special <laughs> guest is Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> so, it's like, well, what's going on? Why, why would you bring him? <laughs> But the, the BBC you know, thing, man, that was something else during that week. That could have taken like a proper like deep analysis which, and like you know which part which the one where the maxwell was just convicted and they called uh, they called all oh, yeah, epstein's so friends i mean i think some I sh- we should have actually broken down even more and maybe like counted the number of interviews uh, oh by the way by the way uh, two weeks ago i don't think we mentioned that but the french guy who's the who was the close friend of epstein also died of a suicide in oh a yeah prison. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. they're not. I, I mean, I'm sorry, but like the shallow state, as I like to call it, or <laughs> co- colloquially known as the deep state. But fuck, guys, try like, come on, cover your tracks at least for decency's sake. I like to pretend to uh, live in a world where my like ideas and shit matters, or where my activism. Like this is ridiculous. You guys are just not even trying. You're just killing people, and yeah, suicide. Don't ask questions. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in a way, I'm like, and it's like one of those stories that like you care so little about the person. Like, whoever, <laughs> so like that like you're just like, oh, whatever. <laughs> That's kind of like, you know, the problem is you kind of know, like what is like, imagine if he survived and if he told us the details, we know the details. Yeah. It was people like Bill Clinton, uh, By the way, apparently there is a Khashoggi connection with the Clinton, with the Epstein family as well. I don't know if it's Adnan Khashoggi or his <laughs> son Jamal Khashoggi. But anyway, but yeah, so what? They were having sex with underage people probably, you know, and they were videotaped. You know, that that's <laughs> like, you know, in a way, like everybody knows, but at the same time, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, the the Epstein thing. I mean, I'm not even really too much into that story. It's just a bit too, like, I don't know why. I'm not like too much the Epstein story. It's just a bit too obvious or I don't know what is. Yeah, I don't know. What intrigues me the best is how, like, Bill Clinton, as if, like, (laughs) he was involved, that he wasn't, like, on his island or, like, on the planes and stuff. Like, nothing. That guy's just, like. Man, after he was convicted for a sex crime. That's the thing, Barack, right? The guy was convicted in early 2000s, right? Yeah. Like, that's the Ehud. insane part. Man, he, like, that's the thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, Ehud Or Barack one of the went, insane parts. Sorry. Went and stayed in his house, the <laughs> former prime minister of uh, Israel. Gisela Maxwell was at Chelsea Clinton's wedding in like 2000, I think 16 or 17 or you know something really recent, and uh, uh, and then uh, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I'm gonna uh, should I say a very controversial thing? Do you want to you want to say it now or save it for? Go ahead. I mean, we've kind of let's let's go back to Ukraine and um, Russia after this, yo. But please go ahead. See, I mean. I, I hope it's not offensive in any way to female people, like ladies and all that. But uh, female people, is that a thing? But yeah, uh, Gisling Maxwell, she's very attractive, right? I'm, I'm, am I wrong there? Or I mean, she doesn't look too bad looking for an old person, but I haven't like really like 
zoomed into her face or looked at it too much. Me neither, me neither. <laughs> I, I don't know why you mentioned that. But yes, I, I just thought, yeah, exactly. For, I don't know, very, I mean, I can see, very, very attractive, very <laughs> awful person, monster, yeah. but yeah, very attractive. Yeah, I mean, I've barely honestly looked at like it, you know, the, for some reason, the Epstein story, suicide, no suicide. I mean, I don't know, just one of the stories, you know, some you love it, like the Elizabeth Holmes one, or I think because this one actually, <laughs> you love it. Like, no, you I think because this one actually had such, that's the thing, right? Since this one involves such horrendous, horrible things, there was not, there wasn't much thing for me to, you know interact yeah, I know, with I know, this I know what you mean. with this story and you know everyone's on it and people are, know much more and they tell everything that's there i didn't have anything to add and it wasn't a fun story because exactly of the absolutely <laughs> horrible <laughs> thing that he that they did for like three decades or more for three to four decades yeah well yeah since it's, 90s right 90s yeah yeah Oh my God, 90s is like three days. <laughs> like, I still think 90s is 10 years ago. It's yeah. so stupid. But no. anyway, yeah, but okay, good. We covered that my controversial <laughs> take. Well, so, yeah. yeah well, it's on. good that our audience is like 106% male. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, not, why would it be more offensive? I mean, yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah, true. That's true. Yeah, oh, why would it be that, more maybe offensive? that was offensive what I just said? Okay. Yes, <laughs> you are, you okay, are I, take, <laughs> I take it back. You, this is you sexist pick. <laughs> okay, I'm really sorry. And it wasn't a good time because now we're gonna go on and like judge all these people, but I just said something. You know, half whether you're a man or woman, it shouldn't change anything. And anyway, you're allowed to say someone's yeah. um good looking or or not. That's was, not yeah, a scandal I, if you ask gen- me. Yeah, yeah, genuinely though, I think I've recently become very like I'm trying to focus on the social issues I want to like advocate or I want to like like do, and I genuinely do think feminism is one of them. So, please, oh, yeah. please, that's good. Let's go back to Russia, Ukraine, right? Yeah, and let's watch this montage that I made of the videos that you sent me, and we'll come back in two seconds. Just to put it bluntly, these are not refugees from Syria. These are refugees from uh, neighboring Ukraine. And that, quite frankly, is part of it. These are um, Christians, they're whites, they're, um, they're very similar to people, many people. The population, as you're talking to us, Matthew, we're playing in the latest pictures of some of the refugees trying to get on trains or trying to get out of Ukraine, and, and what's compelling is just looking at them, the way they're dressed. These are prosperous, I'm loath to use the expression, these are prosperous middle-class people. These are not obviously refugees trying to get away from areas in the Middle East that are still in a big state of war. These are not people trying to get away from areas in North Africa. They look like any European family that you would live next door to. Now the unthinkable has happened to them. And this is not a developing third world nation. This is Europe. It's Robert Moore here in, in the studio. Me, I'm sorry. It's really emotional for me because I see European people with blue eyes and blonde hair being killed. Children being killed every day with Putin's missiles and his helicopters and his rockets. And so, of course, I, I understand and respect the emotion. What you are outlining there is this tension between longer-term efforts to apply pressure to Vladimir Putin, such as financial se- sanctions, and the very immediate military threat which you're experiencing. ...isn't 
a place, with all due respect, um, you know, like Iraq or Afghanistan that has seen conflict raging for decades. You know, this is a relatively civilized, uh, relatively European, I have to choose those words carefully too, uh, city where you wouldn't expect that or hope that it's going to happen. So it's partly human nature back. And Lana, I just wanted to clarify something I said yesterday um, in describing the conflict here. I spoke in a way that I regret, uh, and for that, I'm sorry. What I'd hope to convey is that what's unique about the fighting underway here... Okay, now that everybody watched this montage, and I'm guessing they had similar reactions as, <laughs> as to so many different contradictions, nonsensical statements, anyway, and of course, um, racist above all. And Whoopi might have been confused at why this is racist, but <laughs> I think others will, will understand. Well, <laughs> I no, well, I don't know. No, you don't yeah. think Whoopi would be confused? <laughs> I don't know. This was like the, you know, I mean, that's okay. I get into the details. I mean, it's so weird and fucked up. And anyways, I just like to point out, by the way, that there is this great article in the publication I usually am annoyed by, by a Guardian. Uh, Mustafa Bayumi, they are civilized, quote-unquote, and quote-unquote, look like us, colon, the racist coverage of Ukraine. I think it's a great article that sort of puts, like, uh, quite yeah, a good summary of uh, what's been happening during the first week. I think he specifically refers to a few of the videos that we just watched. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, it's a good article if yeah. you want to, like, sort of a uh, like a ground base for further research or whatever. But, um, it, and I'd like to add that this was interestingly brought to my attention, not through any media coverage, uh, not the Guardian article, certainly, and stuff. It was BBC Persia. They do it, they did it, by the way, BBC Persia, man, in my view, all our, because I think all our viewers are largely English speakers. But man, they are doing such a good job. They are doing such a good job. Mm. Both BBC Persia as well as Iran International, which is a channel funded by Saudi Arabia. But they, I don't know why, but <laughs> they have such good experts on mm. uh, and everybody is so balanced. They like once, like they only have somebody I, at CNN levels, like one every five shows, mm -hmm. Iran International and BBC Persia. I really, uh, I was so glad to know Persian. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like, because you get, like, they have these, like, panel types and their debates. Nobody's, like, debating, oh, the rights of Ukrainian, oh, the Russian right. You know, nobody's good guy, bad guys. Everybody's talking about details and, mm -hmm. all right, in international law, this is illegal. Uh, the fact that uh, NATO was building up does not excuse Russian attack, but at the same time, it is understandable. And then the opposition, even the people who are completely pro-US, pro they talk based on, like, international law and statutory law so they, they they've done a fantastic job and all that uh, even though they are mainstream i i think they've done a better job than a lot of independent <coughs> breaking points <coughs> <coughs> uh, channels uh, but uh, they they also brought to our attention because there is a they there is a quite significant arab population in iran and iranian population that live in arab countries Man, Arab uh, BBC, BBC Arabia and uh, Arab media 
is fucking pissed off. Oh, really? Interesting. I mean, and rightly so. And rightly, and so, rightly yeah. so. Yeah, and this is ridiculous. I mean, the, the, I remember the, it was the second day of the war, and the BBC Persian guy was like, Yeah, in Poland, they have set up seven checkpoints for the refugees. And to that's come in. good. That's and great. And that's uh, good. Applaud that's that. Amazing. Applaud that. Yeah, 100%. and uh, Ukrainian people and Ukrainian refugees and Polish people are not responsible for the disgusting actions of their government. So let's separate that clearly. I mean, there is some. Of course, government is somewhat representative of the people, but I don't, in my view, I don't think majority of Ukrainians or Polish people are share the views of their mm. governments. Anyway, but yeah, the BBC Persia guy was like, yeah, they've put up seven checkpoints for the Ukrainian refugees to rightly be given food and you know, uh, you know, help and all that. And he was like, it. I must say, it does. It does. It's a bit odd considering how when syrian and you know uh, libyan and all those refugees were coming turkish whatever iranian i don't know afghanistani uh, they were building fences and you know walls and y- you know uh, you know specifically arab i would say media to a lesser extent Iranian media, Iran is a weird Iranian because as I mean know, they haven't just, had so many because there's the whole Syria thing. So the Arab ones, I can see how they're far more. But the thing is, though, but the thing is, Iranians are not necessarily. I would say Iranians are not even necessarily brown. That like Iranians are mixed. You have brown Iranians, but you have super white Iranians in the north and in in the south. Like there are cities in the south of Iran, everybody's white. And Syrians, that's the weird thing. Syrians <laughs> yeah. are largely light-skinned and bright-eyed. Syrians are the most bright-eyed, uh, light-skinned people of Arabia, I would say. Syrian, Lebanese, maybe Palestinian. Uh, so that's what is so weird. Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not even... Is that racism? Is that ethnocentrism? Uh, I don't know what it is. I mean, like, so like racism in a way has, I mean, A, we all talked about this a million times, social construct and all this, but even, exactly, even exactly. color, it's not, it really has nothing even, you know, in the US context, sure, but in other places, it goes much beyond color and people distinguishing. No, no, that, that's what I mean. Like, uh, I kind of don't understand the whole Ukrainian-Russia <laughs> thing because it's like, you like, uh, maybe that's my whoopee moment, but as far as I know, within Russia right now, like there is not a significant Jewish population that is controlling the government or a significant uh, like Uterment, uh, whatever. Like, I, I, like, who are you fighting against exactly? Like, are there white people in Russia? I don't. But wait, wait, why are you saying that? Like, because you like the Ukrainian nationalists. Mm, okay, okay. Like, they, who, like, it's not Putin's government is not a extremely diverse, like, lip. you know what I mean? Like everybody who's been to Russia, I have never been to Russia, tells me that there's significant amount of anti-Semitism hmm. and racism in Russia, right? So like, like they keep, like Ukrainian nationalists, they keep saying that they are the vanguard of the, you know, the great white race of the white people against this, Uh, and the international Jew which is you know the the most Mm anti-semitic sort of stereotypical view of the Jewish community but 
it's not like is Russia right now part of the international Jew? I mean, Russia itself is a very anti-Semitic. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. These things don't make sense. I was just thinking more in the context of you know the videos that we just watched. Um, with these, oh no, you know, no, this was a that. this was a callback to the pre-videos. Yeah. yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about the thing. But uh, yeah, no, th- these videos were. I mean, it's it. I mean, I mean, the uh, first guy that we watched who's just in the same video, one the first that? guy is like it's a relatively European country. Oh, the relative, guy. Yeah, the CBS. Yes. He wasn't the worst. The worst guy was like, you know, I see the guys with blue eyes yeah. and blonde hairs. What the fuck? By the way, I mean, I don't know what most people think is like in your in middle east we have a lot of blonde haired people we have a lot of red haired people oh what a surprise yeah. we have a lot of people with bright eyes so fuck you i mean the like, funny thing is the guy diverse. who was saying that secondly like what, like is brown color any like if you're brown colored hair or brown colored eyes that means you're automatically a refugee I mean, or a poor refugee yeah. there, there also some confusion over like you know a refugee can be someone from a middle class above in fact they talked about a lot of people who managed to flee syria as a refugee i've heard this and not be stuck in the country they had to have some money yeah if Uh, not poor the poor people are either forced into the war or they're basically they can't leave because they don't have the money to to you know pay this person that person make the way so that's the, by I mean, the way the Al Jazeera guy he looked like he 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 was confused about the term refugee. I mean just like, yeah. he like equated it with poor and then the guys last one the guy who said you know I'm really emotional you have uh European guys with blue eyes and stuff. He himself now that you brought up Bashar Assad he looked just he, like Bashar Assad blue eyes. <laughs> maybe so yeah, does Bashar, Bashar Assad has blue eyes but he's like half English eyes, no or his wife is only no, half his wife no 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 he's white no he's he's a no Syrians are very yeah. no 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 I know that light skin yeah I mean if you go to southern Iran southwest of Iran where Arabs live you like majority of the arab population of iran are the lighter skinned ones actually i mean a lot of people don't know that but that is or I mean, kurdistani that people matters. that everybody knows not yeah. that it matters not that any like who gives a shit about like yeah. fucking but you know anyway, and we're but, but, no no let me say this though it man that mother uh, by the way those like the french ones because one of them was a mm. french official it really like i must say uh, okay i'm gonna go full like fuck it i'm gonna go uh, not re- like i'm going a, a slightly culturalist but i've always that's one of the reasons why i always loved britain to an extent maybe supported brexit partially because of it british culture and all that but the i mean europeans and a majority of these reports were from eu nations and to an extent canadians this is such, they are such a, they, their view of history is limited to the last hundred years, basically. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I don't know if they know this, but Baghdad was a major fucking, I mean, as you all know, Hariri would say, <laughs> was a ma- major metropolis when, you know, Paris was a 
village was in was a backward nothing you know uh, when charlemagne the great fucking european king who would unite europe and was uh, was crowned the holy, holy roman emperor when charlemagne couldn't read or write al mamun the caliphate of abbasid empire in syria in uh, damascus in baghdad in iran in you know he would move around he, he was reading Plato and Socrates. So I don't know, I mean, your view of history is so limited and that makes them such pathetic little, ugh. And you're speaking I'm particularly sorry. about gov- government officials here. I mean, these were like, you know, these yeah, weren't government these officials. These weren't civilians and, No, no, government, no, no, no. Government officials and journalists, mm-hmm. not civil. No, uh, man, I've talked to... Uh, I've had, I had loads of Polish friends because when I went to high school in UK, as you know, it was mostly like, you know, Eastern Europe, Polish mm. people and stuff. They, they, every, like they were extremely educated. Like everybody knew a lot of this. I, I don't know. These are, I don't know where they get. Man, I think the from. first few I days, genuinely though, don't know the first people. few days of the media reporting here, they thought like, okay, this invasion happened. Wow. It's really good. We were right and all this. And then let's just say whatever we want now. I think they like, because all those clips, I think, are from like the first few days. And they just like these reporters, they just lost their minds. Like the shit that they're saying, just keep that to yourself. Jeez. Again, what pisses me off so much is that BBC Persia and Iran International, these are two channels that are anti-Iranian regime and are funded by Saudi Arabian government and British government. Okay. But they, man, first of all, by the way, congratulations to Ukrainian and Russian people. They are such educated people, man. There is so many Persian speakers in Ukraine and Russia. I had no idea. Like mm-hmm. every day they would have Ukrainians and Russian people who are Persian speakers. They, they don't have Persian parents or anything. They just learned Persian at university. And they spoke so well. They spoke fantastically well Persian. And they would have them on. And they, they, were so, they would give such a sober analysis that, for example, the Ukrainians were like, yes, it's a very hard, uh, hard situation. Uh, we are obviously very upset about the attacks on the civilian centers. Uh, there should be negotiations among the governments of Ukraine and Russia. You, Russia should have never done this. This is way too much. But at the same time, of course, maybe there are some like uh, reasonable uh, uh, causes for what Russia did. You know what I mean? Like this is the debate. But then suddenly when it comes to CNN and BBC English, none of this. It's just like a fucking... Uh, good guy bad guy story yeah no uh definitely agree with you there and and i was just i I had a point that i wanted to make but i'll come back to that because this i want to just talk on those videos again this guardian article it just wrote a few quotes for some of these videos i mean one or two blow my mind one is this one this was maybe it's from the same person is this from the guardian article france yeah france's bmf tv this is a different one so maybe i haven't seen it journalist philippe cobet stated this about Ukraine. We're not talking here about Syrians fleeing the bombing of the Syrian regime backed by Putin. We're talking about Europeans leaving in cars that look like ours to save their lives. <laughs> the car, I mean, I don't know what kind of car they think that like people drive in the Middle East or so. I mean, their comments make no sense to ITV journalists. Now the unthinkable has happened to them. And this is not a developing third world nation. I looked at GDP and GDP per capita on Wikipedia for like around 2016. It's actually really ironic how Iraq is like 
literally right ahead or right after Ukraine around the, the 50th um, nation in the world. So it's, it's just insane. And then look at this one. Anyway, this, just, hold on, one just, more, one more. I just want to make one comment here that we've forgotten because we focused on the, on sorry, on the Middle Eastern one. But here, this is from Al Jazeera Anchor. Looking at them, the way they're dressed, these are prosperous. I'm loath to use the expression middle-class people. These are not obviously refugees looking to get away from areas in the Middle East that are still in a big state of war. What? I thought this was a big state of war here, but sure, I guess not. These are not people trying to get away from areas in North Africa. They look like any. I mean, this is just insane. And the Africa one we forgot. I mean, based on those videos that they're talking about, even at the borders where they're doing something really good, allowing in Poland and other countries for these refugees to come in from Ukraine, they're discriminating against um, Africans and others who are like, why why are you even doing that? What's the the point? I don't even get that. You're making your own life harder. According to all the reports, and all the reports, I mean BBC Persian reports, Iran international, like Persian speaking word, English speaking word, and Sputnik News RT from the first two days before they went uh, back out. Their racism, according to all of these, was uh, coming from Ukrainian police against mm. black and darker skinned people of Ukraine. Like, yeah, as you say, what's the <laughs> point? But like, don't you even want at this point to fucking garner some international yeah, support you exactly. tickets and it already like, backlashed uh, them the african ones i mean not that african nations have like any kind of that much power in geopolitics no man but, you know, but, 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 thing, but they do right when it comes to voting and stuff apparently you no know, it's yeah. kind of being shown but yeah i mean you know no, they're but, not no my point is that you know ukrainians and other countries they're not disrespecting the most powerful nations out there so the backlash will be limited but i mean i mean i'm sorry but there is quite significant number of black people in europe and america in iran yeah like so i think if a i mean as iranian if a single black person is offended anywhere i feel i'm offended so it was disgusting no i'm just saying the governments aren't you know i know i know powerful in that way to receive the proper backlash that that should be here in this case i mean yeah you're doing something right with the refugees but i mean what's this discrimination whatever yeah uh but but i would say bbc persia and bbc arabia have done really fantastic job on these covering um, this and uh, turkish media as well turks have done man uh, similar yeah good coverage as this not that by the way i'm not i just want to clarify that i'm not saying all of that the Ukrainian people who are being bombed and um, yeah, of course they should get the best treatment. But then but they so do other refugees and the hypocrisy of these people and the fact that they're so open about the yeah. hypocrisy, uh, it does make you inf- it does make you frustrated. I'm For sorry. Sure. Uh, but at the same time, I really don't want this to be like misunderstood as something like, oh now po-, like I've like it's kind of like this idiot idea that people like you know the older some older people that i had to work hard to get where i did why don't you have to suffer no just like this idea that like just because a group suffered the other group should suffer too is not is idiotic we are just saying that just yeah grow the fuck up 
and as you said, the guy, one of the guys who was talking about the blue eye and blonde, <laughs> it's like some of the racist people are, I, I, I forget which comedian said that, like some of the most racist people are like the worst examples of, yeah, maybe you don't they like fit the yourself. Fuck. I mean, if anybody's seen the skinheads in the UK, like, you know, a bunch of fucking fat, bald fucks, you know, that uh, barely can move. And they're like, yeah, we're the master race. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're the master. Or fucking Hitler. Like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm short, but, but I mean, come on, man. Like, we are the master. Like, you know, five foot, five points, five feet yeah. two. And yeah, and basically receding hairline up to here. And yeah, we are the master race, you know, very good. Yeah. Fuck off. You just, I mean, just so many things to say here. Yeah. Things. And these things are counterproductive because oh. even in the mainstream media, it, 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 you know, even there, it comes back and like kind of backfires in their, in their face, these kind of coverage. I mean, you know, they had their first week where they could have come out and said whatever they want on TV. But if you continue with these kind of blunders enough, they pile up that, you know, you start getting a little bit of backlash with, you know, what's, what is actually already there. going I on. Mean, we haven't gotten into it. I think that's a good point to get into it. But Kim Iverson, I think, did a fantastic video of sort of magazining, collecting all these uh, videos of mm-hmm. uh, bullshit. Video. From I like mean, the by first the way, two days. By the way, like the I, first I, two days. First two days. <laughs> I like to point out the first day I went and I tried because I wanted to uh, show because I have I am very adamant at making sure that in our show we don't do the whole noble savage thing that mm. oh anybody who's anti-america is a great you know russia is doing this because and by the way in the first day before they started blacking out rtn and stuff there was loads of bullshit videos i saw from the russian side that you know we are conquering every city <laughs> you know there is no resistance everybody loves us there is nobody died nobody died here everybody loves us so but then western media did a blackout on russian stuff so i i couldn't see any of that and i couldn't do a balanced view instead i have to just talk about the bullshit from the western media including a video game footage (laughs) that was published as a like what gf being under attack yeah something like that Oh, my God. I mean, that was from the early days, too. I mean, okay, you, you brought this up. So, actually, can we do the Aaron Matte thing and the RT thing quickly? Because I want to mainly talk about um, RT since you mentioned it. Let me do this first. Then. Okay. Let me. Do you, do you remember uh, the ghost of Kiev? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the gentleman That's, who, like, brought down all of Russia by himself in an afternoon. The, the pilot. Oh, you froze. Yes. Yeah, sorry, you froze. According I thought you were first, like, look, yeah. Yeah, according to first report, he brought... <laughs> I was like, wait, what did I say wrong now? My brain. <laughs> uh, uh, too, too much contradiction. <laughs> Sam Paul. I, I am partially a robot. So. Anyway, uh, the, in the first couple of days, they said there's this uh, pilot of Ukrainian Air Force that has downed over 10 Russian jets. Okay over 10 russian jets i have family i heard six i heard far. six i heard five or six. six and apparently that's how many you do in like a lifetime but yeah anyway yes exactly <laughs> i have family members who were pilots during iran iraq war and i found and immediately when i heard that i was like what the fuck because not that by the way i have some inside knowledge or anything it was because iran iraq war was very much dominated by air 
it's always on the news whenever they do an anniversary. So you hear about it. It's not like some mm-hmm. fucking, I didn't do some Sherlock Holmes fucking mm-hmm. mind palace shit. It was just, I, I had heard about it. And then very quickly, it turned out, yeah, I was right. And this whole thing was a bullshit. The picture is from 2009, even though the fucking one of the ministers of the Ukrainian government is, uh, is still claiming that it's true. <laughs> uh, but But I did find it a good, Look, a good position to some highlight Iranian sort of uh, strength or something. I don't know, whatever it is. But the person who has had the most, uh, not kills, downs with a uh, fight with the airplanes is not American, he's not a Russian, he's not a Ukrainian, he's an Iranian. Mr. Jalil Zandi. Was, this is from Wikipedia. Was a fi- fighter pilot in the Islamic Republic of Iran Air Force who served during all of Iran Iraq War. His combat record qualifies him as one of the most successful pilots of that conflict in air to air combat, as well as one of the best Iranian aces ever. It also made him the highest scoring pilot in the history of F 14 Tomcats. So I've been Looking, I, I couldn't do the full research, but I couldn't do like I couldn't find out if if fourteen com, like Tomcats are different from other yeah. combats. So yeah, I feel like Ukraine was just trying to steal our glory, <laughs> and no, fuck you and fuck your propaganda. You know. And so, so what were that. his stats or his numbers there? I mean, it's... <laughs> there is some of his numbers are there. Let me. Uh, I mean, anyway, he no. he he has been reliably credited with shooting down 11 Iraqi aircraft, eight confirmed victories through examination with U.S. intelligence documents released according to FOIA inquiry and three probable victories. The victories include four MiG-23s, two Su-22s, two MiG-21s, and three Mirage F-1s. So this, this makes him one of the most successful Iranian fighter aces and the most the most successful f-14 tomcat pilot worldwide i am not genuinely i swear to god i'm not genuinely as nationalistic as i sound i just like it yeah so i mean best case scenario this guy in eight years brought down a handful of planes mag like according to maximum 11 most probably eight yeah in eight-year eight war, right? They said in, in a, a, yeah, yeah, in eight-year war. But Ukrainian <laughs> guy brought down six in a day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds a bit ridiculous, but who knows? Maybe you know, maybe he got lucky nice. with three of them, and two, I, <laughs> two of them yeah, ran I, into each other. I don't know. <laughs> I must say, I feel like I've, I've sort of, I. I feel like I've cornered myself into a position of super Iranian nationalism now. <laughs> I'm not that nationalistic, but the whole airline thing, I, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter, Sam. It doesn't matter. No. It doesn't matter. None of this is you. It's not <laughs> like you. I, I, I find it so weird when people like me are proud of things that they had nothing to do with i was born after the war and like i have not like i can't drive a car so to save my life so like i and i am proud of the fact that some random other iranian rode an airplane so yeah i I don't know what's going on in there but whatever yeah what else anything else to, to mention here 
And no, I just wanted to mention that before you move on to Aaron Mate. Okay, let's... And if yeah. there is a psychoanalyst somewhere, <laughs> just give me a message. I don't know. Let, <laughs> let, all right, let's watch this Aaron Mate video uh, very quick. Um, this is, people can watch this Aaron Mate video if they're interested. I'm going to play it right now, and then I'm just going to make two quick points uh, really sad. Well, I'm not generally in favor of stifling voices. When we're talking about a concerted effort on the part of a state-sponsored agency to poison minds across the world in the context of a war of choice. Now that's different. And I think worthy of private businesses doing the right thing. Joining us now is Aaron Mate. He's a contributor of The Nation magazine and host of the Pushback podcast. He believes the outlets which have uh, pulled RT are engaging in censorship. Aaron, thank you very much for coming on the show, appreciate it. So what do you think I'm getting wrong here? I think you're getting wrong a very basic principle that if you don't support free speech for those whose views you oppose, then you're not for free speech. I personally believe in free speech. I think it's a very fundamental right. And I'm very grateful that I live in a country that generally respects it. By your standards, that a, a, a station should be taken off the air for pushing pro-state misinformation, then every single news network in the U.S. that pushed the Iraq war lies, that pushed the lies that brought us into Libya, uh, should be taken off the air. Every single Saudi Arabian television network that is justifying the genocide going on right now with U.S. support in Yemen should be taken off the air. Every single Israeli network that whitewashes the decades-long occupation of Palestinian land should be taken off of the air. Yeah, I don't want those ne uh, networks taken off the air. I don't agree with what they may say, but the way to counter... So Anything you disagree with is to oppose it. And by the way, on that front, I don't even accept your characterization of RT. I'm sure there's plenty of state Russian propaganda on RT, as you described. But also, I can think of voices of dissent, like Afshin Ratanzi. He hosts a show called Going Underground. A few days ago, he had on a former Russian lawmaker, and he extensively challenged her on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So your characterization that there's no dissent allowed on RT, I can tell you from personal experience, is false. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll, I'll discuss RT in a minute, but you asked a broader question, which was about comparing it to U.S., for example. Oh, they, they echoed the propaganda. Here's the difference, is they didn't have to. They weren't required to. They wouldn't have been taken off the air if they didn't say. They may have gotten things wrong. You may be ready to criticize them. You may say they take the government's position at face value too often. Okay, fair enough. Those are all legitimate issues to discuss. It's not the same as saying, as they do in the Russian media, you're not allowed to say anything else. And if you do, you know what's going to happen? Exactly what happened to the only independent station in Russia. They get shut down. It's different. Right. And I don't agree with echoing the tactics of Russia's autocratic system and shutting down networks. I think but, it's supposed to be about government. free speech here. And by the way, this isn't about, government. But, These are private the way, entities. Right. Who, but by the way, speaking of private entities, look, you raise a very interesting point. When you say that no one told anyone what to say back in during the Iraq war in 2003, uh, tell that to Phil Donahue. Phil Donahue had a very popular show on MSNBC, yeah. but he was uh, saying the wrong things. He was challenging the war. But that's the, but that was MSNBC's position. He was taken that, off that, of the yeah. air. But he see, was here's taken off of the air. Right. Okay, you're confusing, and I promise I'll give you a chance to respond so we don't talk over each other. So, so what I think you're confusing is the government mandating it, right? The government didn't mandate that MSNBC 
take off Phil Donahue, whether that's true or not true. It was a decision made by a private employer in that context, right? What is happening in Russia is they are demanding, mandating, that if you don't take this position, you are gone. And as a result, to me, it's more comparable to saying, well, why don't you allow, for example, a North Korean news station to be on the air? Because you know what? More speech is better. Your response. Inside Russia, for television networks aimed at Russians, I agree with you. There is a high degree of state-sponsored control. I agree with that. We're talking about RT aimed at international audiences. And I just gave you an example of Afshin Ratanzi of a show called Going Underground on RT that has been very critical of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So the premise of your point is false. Yeah. Afshin Ratanzi has not been fired. No one has told him what to say. He is a voice of dissent. And in terms of the difference between U.S. and Russia, we just happen to have a much more sophisticated propaganda system here. It's true there's no state uh, sponsor telling journalists what to say. Everybody just internalizes it because they know that if they act like Phil Donahue and say the wrong thing, they'll be canceled, which is exactly what happened to him. And if you don't think that has yeah. an impact on people and getting them to toe the party line, I'm sorry. I just don't think you're being fair yeah, here. But Phil Donahue was taken off of the air for right. saying the wrong things about the Iraq war. Okay. And that's why everyone is always on board whenever there is a war or a regime change operation that the U.S. is behind. Here's, it's almost here's, impossible here's to find a voice of dissent inside the U.S. Okay. media. Here's what I think you're getting wrong about the U.S. media. Is these days, being a voice of dissent in the U.S. media, being an iconoclast, gets you enormous attention. It gets you social media followers. It's why Tucker Carlson does what he does. It's why Glenn Greenwald does what he does. It gets you enormous attention to be able to take these positions to say that, oh, you're going to get in trouble. That That's why people take the position. I'm not taking any of the positions I'm taking because I'm worried about what some higher level person is going to do or say. I'm doing it because I believe it. Now, you may think I'm brainwashed. OK, that's 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 fair. Uh, you can take that position. But there is no greater being informing us what we have to say. You get the final word. Well, you raised the example of Tucker Carlson, and you're right. That's one example in a sea of cable news hosts who dissent sometimes on the state party line when it comes to war. And I don't agree with Tucker Carlson on most things, but I do think that when it comes to warmongering, whether it's in Ukraine or in Syria, he has taken a dissenting position. It's true. No one's taking him off the air. But what's happening to him? He's facing constant allegations of being a Russian asset, a traitor to Russia. He's been facing a very heavy campaign of people who want to take him off of the air. Now, they haven't succeeded because he's so popular and he's so profitable for Fox, but that's a rare exception. Everybody else in cable news, and this is why in MSNBC, when they have panels about the uh, war in Ukraine, is there ever a dissenting voice like mine who points out actually that the U.S. has a major role in this crisis in backing a coup in Ukraine in 2014? pumping billions of dollars worth of weapons into the war that's broken out since, refusing to take NATO expansion off of the table, even though NATO expansion, I, I think, is suicidal for everybody, especially Ukrainians. You, won't, you will not see a voice like that aloud on NBC News or CNN. And that tells me something. It tells me that, yes, we don't have state-mandated censorship. We have a much more sophisticated form of it. And I'm opposed to all censorship, whether it's the U.S. variety or the Russian variety. All right. Well, um, Aaron Mate, uh, I will agree to disagree, but uh, it's an important discussion. And I know, look, and I, and I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks a lot. I, thank you for having me. Thank you. Coming up.
All right, Sam. So, I mean, I just have two points that I wanted to make with this video. A, I kind of want to give it to the host. I mean, you know, because just in my head, I have that interview with Nomiki Kunz on Fox and the way she behaved and how she was screaming. And then Aaron Mata and him, you know, they just managed to at least have a conversation. So in a way, I no, was but just... That was, no, that was the Nomiki's fault. That was Nomiki's fault, yeah. Yeah, no, that was 100% Nomiki's fault. You're absolutely right. But no, yeah, this here... guy, I mean, the guy... Okay, his argument about the private versus public, that was like complete bullshit. I didn't understand the relevance of that, but he at least let Aaron Mate speak and then he spoke whatever his arguments. No, no, I, don't, I didn't find his faith, arguments to be legitimate debate. at all. It made no sense, but that was good. I think but my second point is really about... His argument made sense if you're liberal. <laughs> okay, maybe. No, let yeah. me... No, no, let Go me, ahead and no, then I'll make my second point then. All right. Do, do you want to make your no no no? It's, it's good if related. you make it. No no, it's not. All right. Really. Look, li the liberal mindset is that I think, I, and I kind of understand it in a way because I think left doesn't understand that. Look, to them, government is the same thing that is to the left. That is monopoly. Mm. So, if for example, he said that Russian government had said that you're not allowed to call it a war, you have to call it a special operations or whatever, right? That's different from CBS uh, saying to Phil Donahue, we are not going to give you another contract because you are anti-war. Because CBS is not a monopoly. CBS is just one player in the game, right? That's the liberal mindset. I would argue, personally, I would argue after a while, after, especially if you have a weak state that does not balance the uh, companies against each other, those uh, companies are acting as a sort of a pseudo state mm -hmm. structure in a way. And I think that's why, by the way, class is such a good way of that. I'm not a big, like, I, I think our, when our series comes out, a lot of people will find out that I'm not as big of a fan of a Marx as maybe I, when I say I'm a Marxist, it seems to be. But uh, the best part about Marx is the, his idea of a, this idea of a class that goes beyond official or name, like you, can, you are part of the state, you are part of the media organization, but at the same time, there is a class that sort of runs through all of that, in my view, in my view. And uh, sort of that dictates the sort of language that dictates the framework of the debate and all that. So I think in a liberal mindset, though, that doesn't exist. In a liberal mindset, CBS is all is almost not in a level playing field, but in a very close to a level playing field. They're always operating on that. So there is always and to an extent, they're right, by the way. To an extent, the biggest mistake Russia, Iran, China makes, in my view, the biggest mistake they make is suppressing free media. Because America doesn't, doesn't directly, American government never directly suppresses uh, freedom. Like, that's why... I can talk on YouTube about like I can criticize America. I do. Yeah, it and exactly. And might, uh, they might know? like do something with the ads and stuff, but you can still come and say you're. you're yes, here. yes. They try to suppress you. They try to marginalize you, but they they don't try to completely end you.
because they know if they completely they end you it might even backfire yeah so they sort of incorporate you into a, a system and i by the way i think china and iran and russia are all three are moving towards that direction too uh, and that's why thankfully i am allowed to i i i hope i am open about my ideas that are contradicting mm-hmm. the islamic republic you know women's rights gay rights all that but uh, yeah, you know, i don't know about moving... russia and china but your example sure with iran i, I think china there. too uh, yeah, yeah anyway. russia too yeah i mean yeah well anyway so my point is that yeah uh, in a liberal mindset though they don't cons- like i guess maybe sometimes they do i mean liberalism is a very broad church And, uh, you know, from John Stuart Mill to these guys, so whatever, neoconservatives. Uh, so uh, my point is that uh, in a way there, if it was a level playing field, if there was a state that was le- regulating, maybe they would be right. But I don't think the current media landscape and the current way everything is divided Uh, uh, reflects the reality that he was talking about. The fact that he was saying that, oh, CBS or MSNBC or whatever, they put, you know, they said, Phil, we don't want to work with you anymore. Mr. Donahue, we don't want to work with you anymore. That's different from Russia, Russian government saying, you know, this is illegal. I understand and that yes, difference. It's true, but... And I understand yeah. the difference and everything that you're saying about liberalism and all this um, music to my ears. I agree to it, but I still don't get the relation to the point that he was making because the whole argument was about why is RT being banned in foreign countries, right? So whether the Russian that's, government okay, says to do this or that, the connection I never understood um, with with the main point of the argument. So I get what he was saying there, yeah, because it wasn't because sure if if it was if it wasn't about okay, RT okay, and it yeah, was about yeah. media in Russia, I would understand, and in Russia. Apparently, they've also banned DW and all these other media yeah. sources. But about RT and internationally BBC. being shown to international people, I didn't understand how that argument, which you you say, again, the roots of it and stuff, which I completely agree, I didn't see how it pertained to the whole RT part. No, and you're right. You're right. The RT part is the, yeah. I, it makes no sense. But I want to come back to... No, no, that comes from the woke sort of misinformation. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Sorry, I was I was focusing on the positive side of his arguments about the whole in a different uh, argument in a different yeah. situation. It could have worked, yeah, with the Phil Donahue one, sure. But then Aaron Matthew, though, he said exactly what um, you saying, and you can say the same thing about quote unquote corruption in the U.S. Is that the U.S. has a more uh, advanced game, right? Like, yeah, there isn't corruption they don't corrupt members of congress or senate but all we talk about are these you know where they get their funding and getting it from that billionaire and from this lobby and all that so they just have a more sophisticated system and their mainstream media exactly it's more sophisticated it's private it's not necessarily public so on a first layer it looks like it's different because i mean they just have a more developed game it seems and you're right banning media in these ways don't help with your with your actual achievements, even in an authoritarian country. And then I have a final point about RT that is separate from this, so I'll come back. Oh, all right. Uh, I just wanted to add that I think even like, like, you know, I'm not even, I don't even read that much Iranian news or Iranian newspapers or anything like that. 
but uh, books anything like that but even like you know even in iran which is a relatively like they try to it's a very closed um, like discussion space about a lot of issues you know uh, they are trying to they are starting to copy that american style of you know exactly like uh, it's better it's more opposition yeah it's controlled opposition yeah and it leaves you at least two or like arguments to make before somebody can reach you know get to you because you're gonna be oh no what are you talking about private media i mean okay so then you have to get into the whole thing of whereas if it's public and it's government owned you don't even need to elaborate your argument you can just say it's run by the state full stop um so let's Uh, think it's just the game is much more but yeah with the rt thing man if i was an eu advisor (laughs) i'd be like guys why are we banning rt in different in a in different country where the war is not taking place this is gonna this could potentially backlash because things happen I mean, look. you know it could potentially i mean there was just no harm even from their side to have rt out because then you can be like look we let you guys watch the russian propaganda and all this and you know but hey oh i thought look. we're like the liberals and like we let people hear other facts and stuff so it just goes completely against who they claim to be and down the line, it could backlash, and it's not going to change the, the opinions of that many Europeans. It could backlash. Let's not turn the backlash into anything. I think if there's any consequence, it could no, be like, why did you guys ban RT? We could have heard this or that from RT. So even from their point of view, I see this as being just like how they're discriminating against non, uh, non-white refugees. <laughs> from there, I'd be like, guys, this is not helping us out. I would have just left RT. Because it's insane the way they banned RT. I mean, they just... I, went, I agree. I, look, I agree with you on principle, but I genuinely don't think hmm. banning RT will lead to a significant backlash, just yeah, as a, I don't think letting RT uh, spread misinformation, and as Europeans say, I don't agree with that at all, uh, uh, would lead to a, like an uprising of people in favor you know what i mean like i totally agree with you and i'm not saying i'm saying if anything it could give an argument to people if anything it could give an argument to like some experts with this kind of people that's what i mean by the backlash not that it's going to change the world i'm just saying you you just gave a little argument to people you know then in two months you're having an argument someone can be like oh yeah russians banned that you guys banned rt here where the war is not even taking place then you're telling me how russia and ukraine in their own countries what's going on maybe they banned this or that media so it was an unnecessary thing that i think they did no, where the I, consequence I can only be turned against them if anything not it's not a big one but i'm saying if anything but i think that's a perfect way because i think that type of thing reflects the need of this middle or sorry this middle or liberal middle class need for consultation in a world that is increasingly changing in a way that they don't expect it. So I think this is a perfect segue for me going to this article by one of my favorites, Anne Applebaum, Atlantic. You know her? I've, I've heard of her definitely, but like, maybe it's just I've, her I've last name her is famous, maybe. What's the headline the, of this article, by the way? Or you can the impossible now. suddenly became possible. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. When Russia invaded Ukraine, the West assumptions about the war became unsustainable. No shit. All right. 
So this article, I just want to highlight this article is an idiotic article about, yeah, I mean, exactly. Like I just, I mean, I know it's a bit of, um, maybe I'm connecting it in a very random way, but I think what you're saying about this whole, it's ineffective and not backlash. I don't agree with the backlash with you, but it's definitely impotent. But I think this impotent actions is all that is left for these people to appeal to their uh, domestic uh, constituents, however small they may be. So this article starts with history has accelerated. The impossible has become possible. Shifts that no one imagined two weeks ago are unfolding with incredible speed. I mean, look, I didn't imagine, I said that Russia would not invade, but this whole fucking dramatization, yeah. nobody would imagine. Oh. I mean, quite a lot of people told us. So and I let's imagine be honest, okay, and I mean, let's be a little bit more accurate because we, we, we did, term, like, I think it's been like two months that we're saying, but no, it looks like that possibly in parts of Eastern Ukraine and all this, they could, they could invade. I mean, I remember yeah, yeah. us we were, talking about yeah, that, yeah. but yeah, yeah fair yeah. enough. What was it, General McGregor or McFadden? Yeah, or exactly. Mc... The one who came on Aaron Mattis' show. I mean, he. We are on his side, okay? <laughs> we were, we were pretty much, like, steadily on his side since his interview with Aaron Mattis. Anyway. So one piece of information we got, right? Okay. Yeah, we were. This like, is my okay, point of view. <laughs> General, you sound right. We are following you. <laughs> By the way, this. Anyway, anyway, I was going to go on a whole rant about Shia Islam, but... Anyway. No, 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 let's please so, stay on topic. <laughs> all right, let's stay on topic. As it turns out, nations... Oh, this, this is the part I highlighted. I wanted to... This, we're going to discuss this in deep details. As it turns out, nations are not a piece in a game of risk. They do not, as some academics have long imagined, have eternal interest or permanent geopolitics orientation, fixed motivations or predictable goals, nor do human beings always react the way they are supposed to react. Last week, nobody who was analyzing the coming war in Ukraine imagined that the personal bravery of the Ukrainian president and his emotive calls for sovereignty and democracy could alter the calculations of the foreign ministers, bank directors, business executives, and thousands of ordinary people. Few imagine that their Russian president's sinister television appearance and the brutal orders could alter in just a few days international perception of russia all right so i mean i mean calm the fuck down and what the fuck are you on about and but, nobody way, thinks this nobody thinks it's peace i mean i can't even find somebody who thinks this way that this is uh, uh, that nations are not pieces in the game of risk no 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 this is eternal... oh, oh wait 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 this is a specific reference to one of uh, one of the schools of thoughts that i think you really like the realist school of thought in international relations as because you recently become a fan of john mersheimer he's one of the proponents of that this is a line uh, on, oh, fuck, I just had the line here. Oh, this is a line from Lord Palmerstone, who I believe was, a, I forget, he was a minister in British administration. I think he was a foreign minister. This is a quote from Lord Palmerstone, 
also a lot of them misattributed to General de Gaulle of France. Mm. We have no eternal allies and we have no perpetual enemies. Our interests are eternal and perpetual and those interests. So what she's doing is basically, uh, is a, uh, this, is a comp- this is a clear reference to that quote and a sort of, oh, you say, oh, we don't have perpetual, like interest and any, like interest and uh, how you view things kind of changes as well. So and how does, that's what you, and like realism doesn't talk about how people view in that sense, but like when it comes to nations having interest and stuff, how has that changed anyway with the with the Ukrainian invasion for, for so this she's, to be true? Well, from from the paragraph I read, she's arguing that the bravery of the 